Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, this is Advent week three. Can everybody hear me okay? And it is so fun for me to do these. I appreciate you letting me spend four weeks just going back through these key essential elements, really. They're really elements of what it means to live out our identity in Christ. That's what this is. Uh, I, I thought about it. I thought, well, am I kind of copping out? Because I, because y'all know I love to teach expositorily out of the Word, just like verse by verse. And I do that all year. But in in December, I give you a break and I give me a break. And I just look at these themes that are that are so important to us. Love, joy, peace, hope. We started with hope. La- last week, we talked about uh we talked about, what did we talk about? No, I talked about love. Remember agape love? Yeah, that's right. So anyway, today we're going to talk about joy. So what I try to do, sorry, Randy, I'm wandering around. I forgot. Um, we're we're going to talk today about joy. And I want to tell you this. I want to start off with the big idea. The most joyless people I ever meet, the Christians I meet that have no joy are Christians who have forgotten how to have gratitude. Gratitude is very tied to joy. I have even family members, uh, extended family members, who are not very joyful people, and yet they're believers. And you go, well, what is the problem? The problem is they've stopped, like my little mama used to say, counting their blessings, naming them one by one. And our former pastor here two pastors ago said, count your many blessings, name them ton by ton. All right? Y'all have told me that he said that, and talking about Jack Jeter, who's gone on to be with the Lord. So he, he, Jack understood counting them, even with whatever faults Jack might have had, he knew how to count God's blessings and name them ton by ton. And that's what we need to do. So the big idea today is that that is wrapped up there. I began, as I do most uh, Sundays, looking at what does the world say about joy? You'll notice that is a screenshot out of the Merriam-Webster Dictionary saying that joy is the emotion evoked by well-being, success, good fortune, the prospect of possessing what you desire. That's kind of interesting. I mean, if I can get what I want, then I'm going to have joy? Not really. Sometimes you get what you want and it doesn't bring you anything about joy. It brings you misery. Can, can I hear an amen? Or a state of happiness or felicity. Well, Sometimes your state of happiness wanders off. I talk about standing versus being in a state. State of holiness versus standing in holiness. State is something that's very temporary. Okay, depends on how I'm doing. Three, a source of cause of delight. Guys, this is the world's definition of joy. That's what I want to say. That is not the believer's definition of joy. And I've learned that I I believe truly, because every year I I wrestle with this thing, and I see articles that say, well, happiness is the same thing as joy, and joy is happiness. I don't think they are. Happiness, how can I be happy if I have some grave, terrible illness, okay? Uh, And I'm seeing that it's causing suffering and such, but, oh, I can have joy in the middle of all that, can I? Joy is the essential marker, guys, of the Christian life. If there is an absence of joy in your life, I'm telling you this morning, there's a severe dysfunction. Dysfunction means something's not working right. Something is not working right because Paul tells us in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, this means you've gotten the Holy Spirit because you accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, is love, it's joy, peace. It starts with those three of our Advent 
themes. And then those kind of bear, and there's an order to these things. Then there's long-suffering. That means you can put up with stuff for a long time. That's what long-suffering means. Kindness. Sandy and I preach kindness. We say it's often more difficult just to be kind to someone you love than to love them. Kindness takes the Holy Spirit. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And Paul says, against such there is no law. Pastor Michael talked Wednesday night and gave a great picture of how these things fit together. He said it's when you have magnets. You know how they'll, you go like this and they just pull together? He says that really that's the way love and joy are. And I'm going to add, it's another magnet stuck on it, Michael, that's peace that we're going to study next week. Those three things are tied together there. So if, if there's no joy in your life, if you've lost your joy, then you need to stop this morning and you need to say, Lord, how can I get out of this gumbo clay that I'm in? I'm going to show you a picture in a minute of somebody standing in mud. And that may be you this morning, standing in that mud in your rubber boots. I know I was in the horse stall. I got about six inches of rain last night. Praise God. The lake is all, <laughs> it went from being almost bone dry now up to four feet from the top. It's kind of shocking. So I've promised a fishing trip to some in here. So now we're going to have it. We got water to put a boat in. So let's look first at joy in the Old Testament. And then let's look at joy in the New Testament. Because I love to see how the Jews thought these things out. And then how those Jewish scholars in mid-third century put things into the uh, Septuagint, as we talked about. Joy is mentioned a hundred times in the Old Testament. That's approximate. And the common word for it in Hebrew is simcha. And Jews use the word of simcha for any event of gladness or joy. If you go to Israel, you've been there. You guys have been there, some of y'all out there. It was so cool to see people dancing in the street with canopies, maybe for a bar mitzvah. Has anybody ever seen that but us? Yeah, and you're thinking, what's going on? That's simcha. And they refer to that as just simcha. It's an event filled with gladness and filled with joy, okay? It simply means joy, gladness, or mirth. And it's used 90% of the time in the Old Testament for the word joy that's translated joy. How does it first appear? I always want to know, how did the word first appear? Remember, we looked at love first appearing when God told Abraham, take your only son, the son whom you love, and take him to Mount Moriah. And we've looked at significance in that. God introduces us to the word joy in this verse, strange verse. Why did you flee away secretly? And steal away from me. Who's talking here? And you didn't tell me, for I might have sent you away with joy and songs. He says, with simca and with songs, with timbrels and with harp. Don't y'all remember what this is? This is Jacob fleeing Laban, who was his father-in-law. And if you go back and you look at it, J Jacob was this terrible trickster. He was always trying to manipulate people, outgun them, and, it's, and Laban... Jacob met his match with Laban. Laban was doing the same sort of stuff to him. So Jacob was getting his payback, right? And he thought, I got to leave in the night. So he gets his wife together and he puts her on a, a donkey, I guess, and takes off and runs through the desert. And I think it's interesting because Jacob's conduct is all based in the flesh. And there he is. It's the opposite of joy. He acted in fear. He acted in doubt. He acted in fear of Laban. He acted in doubt of himself, okay? He, he acted in doubt even of his own standing in the Lord. Jacob knew who he was. He knew that, 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 that God had called him, and he got into the flesh. And so 
it's funny that Laban's telling him, if you just told me that you were going to go, and I don't know if Laban was being truthful or not, he said, I would have sent you away with Simca and with songs, just like those people running through the streets of Jerusalem. So there it is. Gladness is Simca. Joy is Sason. External circumstances in the Old Testament sometimes bring about Simca. Like what? Well, rejoicing in one, uh, I'm sorry, lovers rejoicing in one another. That's Song of Solomon 1.4. Proverbs 5.18 says those that rejoice in their children and in their children's children, okay? So these are external things that bring joy to us. And you'll get this sermon. I didn't send it this morning on purpose because I wanted to wait and send it with the podcast link that you'll get after the service. Others rejoiced in wine. Psalm 104, 15. Others in an abundant harvest. Isaiah 9, 3. This is where Simca appears in the Old Testament. And others with a good answer. That a good answer brings forth joy. Proverbs 15, 23. But the Jews figured out we know that the shepherd King David always sung about it, that the only permanent joy that is joy is joy that's founded in the Lord. Amen. All of those external circumstances that we have can come and go, but our joy in the Lord can be permanent. He abides in us and we in him, Jesus says. And that was on one of our bulletins last year. I found it again this year on Google, I just love that all the colors, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm here to tell you today that if you've lost your joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's where you're going to refine your joy this morning. So how to make your way back to a joyful life. The Lord is my strength and my shield. I'm reading Psalm 28, 7, which you might say is kind of a focal, it's a focal of this teaching today. The Lord is my strength. We're going to break it apart. He is my shield. Isn't that interesting? My heart trusted in him, and I'm helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. And with my song, I will praise him. David is preaching to himself. Just the way my father used to tell me, he said, sometimes, son, you have to say, now, self, don't do this. And David saying, self, remember that the Lord is your strength and your shield. Think about those words. Strength is an offensive type thing. Shield is a defensive thing. All that's within you that can defeat your enemies, guys, comes from the Lord. That's the offensive side. That, Janie, is your strength, okay? And he is also our magan. That's the word in Hebrew for shield, like magan David. He is our strength. He's our shield. And then David says, my heart trusted in him. He said, I wasn't trusting, and now I've trusted in him. I've said, once again, Lord, I choose to trust in you, reminding us that joy is a choice. And my heart greatly rejoices. That's the result of it all, okay? And with my song, I will praise him. He's saying knowledge that he is my strength is the offensive side of my being. The shield is the defensive, and trusting in that knowledge that he is my all. He's my offensive. He's my defensive. That puts a new song in my mouth. Therefore, he says, my heart rejoices and a song is in my mouth. You know, you remember if you're now not experiencing joy, you remember those delightful moments you had when you were out on your property maybe and you just were singing a song to the Lord and now you're upset because the stairs have broken down and fallen off. 
And, and the Lord wants you to have a new song in your mouth. So my question, first question today, is your song gone? Is there no more singing that's going on in your soul? Are you stuck in the mud? You know, people say, don't be a stick in the mud. Y'all ever heard that one? Are you stuck in the mud this morning? Well, there's a guy stuck in the mud. That's not me. They do look like my boots, and that does look like the mud outside of my horse stalls right now. If you've ever worked in gumbo clay, and some of y'all have moved from other places, you go ask me, what in the world is this stuff? It's like it wants to eat me. And you put on rubber boots, and you step into two feet of gumbo clay, and your boots are going to stay there. If you're going to leave that mud, you're going to have to get out of those boots, right? We've all been there. But that's kind of a picture of what we look like when our joy is gone. When I was preparing the sermon, that made me think about a verse that I loved. It's a verse that I heard my own sweetheart sing on a record album she made. And uh, years ago, back during the time of the Jesus movement, and she sang this. I'd never heard it. Psalm 41 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. This is David again talking to himself. He inclined to me. That means God leaned into me and listened. He heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of that miry clay. That means out of three feet of gumbo, right? And what did he do? He set my feet up on a rock. And he established my steps. He put me on solid ground. And he put one foot in front of the other foot, in front of the other foot. And I didn't waste a bunch of time because I'm right where God wants me to be. And what did he do? He put a new song in my mouth. Some of y'all have lost your old song. Today's the day to get back your new song. And it's right there. It's waiting for you. It's, it's who you are. He says, praise our God. Many will see this in fear and will trust in the Lord. Last week, I told you that agape love is probably the greatest evangelism tool that exists. When people see you love in a way that is non-human, it draws them close to the Lord. And I want to tell you that joy is right there, coupled with that love, just like a magnet. Probably, not to pick on our song director, but he probably, I had him preach on joy last year because he walks with a new song in his mouth. If you don't want to hear it, it doesn't matter. He's going to sing it to you anyway. And he's got so much joy going off of him, it's like it's shining off of him, right? That's not him. That's the Lord shining in him and through him. And that's available to everybody sitting in this room, not just to him. Because he's decided and chosen, I'm going to love people like God loves them. I'm going to live agape love. And God sticks that kind of joy right beside that kind of love. And it's going to shine before men. They're going to see your good works. And they're going to glorify their Father who is in heaven. He will put a new song in your mouth. And you will give praise to your God, and many will see that in fear, and it will cause them to trust in the Lord. That is a great evangelism teaching right there. God's Word is key, folks, to refining your joy. You go, well, I just have no joy. Have you been in the Word? Have you listened to anything? Have you heard what God had to say? Listen to what Jeremiah the prophet says. Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found, and I ate them. You ever eaten God's Word? Man, when you can't get enough of it, your soul's hungry, Pastor Michael. You're going to eat God's Word. Your words were found, and I ate them. Your Word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. 
My voice is coming back. I'm beginning to preach here. So when we find God's word and we eat them, it is what brings joy into our soul and rejoicing in our heart instead of hollowness and sadness. Uh, one of you all was talking to me, well, Devin was. He's not here today. He's working, getting some stuff done with some contractors. He said, yeah, I've been working with somebody, and they just seem sad to me. And I said, yeah, they are. And that's when that joy goes out and the song has gone away. And you rediscover it when you find God's word and you eat it. And it goes down into your soul and bubbles out with rejoicing. Then Jeremiah, 15 chapters later, says, call unto me. And I learned this as a little boy. My mother would say, call unto me and I will answer thee, said the King James, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The Lord is waiting for you to call unto him. He will answer you and he will show you great and mighty things that you don't know. That is what it means to rediscover your joy. There's a model for every Jewish wedding, and it's found in Jeremiah 33 as well. It says this, the voice of joy, and I put there the Hebrew word, sason, and the voice of gladness, simcha, the voice, listen to this, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. This is sounding interesting, isn't it? The voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever. This reminded me of the great wedding feast of the Lamb. Guys, we are the bride of Christ, and he is the groom. John tells us in Revelation 19, let us rejoice. That means let you be joyful and exult and give him. That means exalt him and glorify him. Give him all of the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. This is what's coming to us. That's reason enough, Janie, to have joy. And the bride, who is the bride, has made herself ready. We are the bride, okay? It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. And I'm going to say, clothe ourselves with the blood of the Lamb of God, which is perfect righteousness. For the fine linen is righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And you know what? We're going to be invited. If you've accepted the Lord, you're on the invitation list. You will be at the supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So Jesus, or God, all through the Scripture, Old and New Testament, portrays us as his bride and him as our husband. It's just such a beautiful thing. Joy, then, is found in the New Testament. There's a Greek word, kara, where we get a whole lot of words like charisma. Anybody know what chervil is or crestomathy? Eucharist means thanksgiving, exhort, exhortation, greedy, greedy, really? I'm going to show you out. Hortative, hortative means telling, hortative speech is speech that tells you what you ought to be doing, okay? That's what hortative means. Hortatory and yearning. These are all related words. Isn't that interesting? Going back to our Proto-Indo-European word, gur, that's where we get greed, okay? That's where this other, these other words come from, meaning yearn. And it appears, this kara appears 60 times at least in the New Testament, and it first appears at the birth of Jesus. It's fun to see where these words first appear. When they saw the star, who saw the star? Who saw the star? Well, the shepherds, remember? Shepherds saw it first and the wise men, okay. When they saw the star, they rejoiced. That means they had joy exceedingly. 
with great joy. It's Matthew 2.10. Strong's, this is a book that we'll have in our pastor's library that uh, Doreen's going putting together, and it'll be available probably January the 1st. You'll have Strong's Exhaustive. You'll be exhausted by the time you carry it. It's a big book. Uh, exhaustive concordance of the Bible, and he de defines kara this way. I love this. A calm delight and inner gladness. That's different than happiness, isn't it? A calm delight, and what are you delighted with? You're delighted with the Lord, right? And it's an inner gladness. Why? Because you're his. I'm my beloved's, and, and yeah, it's sonship, exactly. And then I put this in Kara is the result of becoming aware of God's goodness and his grace. If you're really aware of his grace, guys, there's kara. There's this joy that's going to come with that. And then it's your response and my response to God's grace lived out in our lives. That's what joy is all about. It's not joy that makes us grateful. And you've seen this before on a bulletin in the past year. It is gratitude that makes you grateful. Start being grateful today for the things that God has done for you, that he will do for you, that he's doing for you right now, and you will see that joy will replace your sorrow. Truly, say, Lord, you direct my steps. You said in your word that you would. I'm going to count on you, God, to direct my steps and keep me in the path of joy and to keep me in the path of grace. So a secret of joy I'm bringing out, it's always tied to gratitude. Biblical joy doesn't flow out of stuff that I have, possessions that I get, or circumstances, okay? They don't do that. Those kinds of things ebb and flow, don't they? Like the ocean, waves come and they go. The only thing that will give you joy permanently is when you're standing on the rock, when you're trusting in the Lord. It is your choice. It bubbles up from a grateful heart. And as I said before, joyless Christians are ones who have forgotten to count their blessings. My mother was the most joyful person I've ever met, maybe because I was close to her, okay? And if you remember during when I wrote her obit, I talked about joy. Mom just knew joy because mom knew how to count blessings. It's one of the first songs she ever taught me was that count your many blessings. And I don't have a singing voice now, so I can't sing it to you, but I can still hear mom today doing it. And when you count those many blessings, name them one by one, you'll see what God has done. Having joy is not theoretical. It's practical. Okay, practical is sometimes called practically joy. That means we practice it. Paul's a great example of this. He had every kind of circumstance that was horrible, unimaginable, the stuff he went. He was beaten, shipwrecked, imprisoned, left for dead and a whole host of other horribles. And yet he said, being full of sorrow, that's why happiness is different. See, he says, I'm full of sorrow, and yet I'm rejoicing. So we can be full of sorrow, and yet we can rejoice, y'all. 2 Corinthians 6.10. And he says, and being in all my affliction, I am overflowing with joy. That's what we can be. That's how we can live. It is our reality when we understand our identity in Christ. I handed these out. I'm going to hand them out again on January the 1st. Some of y'all have even written me notes. Thank you for the little letters you sent me. I said, thank you for that, Pastor. When you begin to understand your real identity in Christ, and you begin to say, Lord, I'm going to make a choice today to submit to your Holy Spirit to live out my identity in Christ, joy will fill your heart. Love, joy, 
peace because those are fruits of the Spirit or fruit part of the fruit of the Spirit. Biblical truths concerning joy. These are eight points I'm going to have today that might help some of y'all. Repentance, we're told in the word, brings joy. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven. Isn't that amazing that when one of us comes to know the Lord, that angels in heaven rejoice? I just think that's curious. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. Luke 15, 7. The angels even rejoice when a sinner repents and comes to Jesus. Two, joy is a gift. It's ours. It's a gift that we should have and celebrate and live out. When allowed to do so, it comes from the fruit of the heart, from the heart of a spirit-filled believer, a spirit-walking believer. And we already started with this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. That's our three magnets that stick in together, okay? And those other things then come out of that. It's interesting because you can't have love, though, until you have the faith to put your trust in the Lord. Because when you understand his love for you, then you're able to respond in love, okay? And you have this kind of agape, unselfish love that can live in and through you. And that's followed by a joy, and then peace comes with those. And we're going to talk about that next week. Joy results, this sounds so simple, but we forget about it. Lord, I've lost the joy of my salvation. Then just know who Jesus is and know what he's promised you. Whom having not seen, you love him. Though now you do not see him, yet you believe. This is what we studied in 1 Peter recently. You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. I've had inexpressible joy. It might get a hold of you on the tractor. I remember years ago when we first bought our place, I would be out mowing and I would start singing so loud. I was so filled with the joy of the Lord as I mowed that 20 acres down in a hayfield. I, th I thought, man, I wonder if my neighbors can hear me. I could just feel it all. It was inexpressible, this joy that just came out of being on a tractor. Looking at photosynthesis, looking at the clouds above me, counting my many blessings, naming them one by one, just like mama told me. Four, joy gives me strength when I want to give up. You ever want to give up? I wanted to give up this morning when I woke up. Isn't that strange? I'm, I, I admit these things to y'all. I woke up today. Our electricity was off. My feet were killing me from doing too much stuff yesterday. My voice was gone. I thought, oh, maybe, maybe this is what went through my mind. Maybe we have no electricity at the church. We can call off church today. <laughs> you know, but then, no, it came back on. I heard someone say, praise God. So anyway, it gave me strength. Why? Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those who, whom nothing is prepared for. This day is holy to the Lord. This day today is holy to the Lord. Set apart to the Lord. Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Your strength, my, my strength this morning came from the joy of the Lord. I got up. We had a storm last night. I don't know about your house. I think every bolt of lightning that struck in the last 10 years struck in my pasture last night. It was crazy, all right? And I just knew it had probably killed a couple of the horses. And I, you know, you think of all this parade of horribles, as we call it in law. And I went out there, and now horses are all standing there looking at me like, well, what took you so long? We're here. We're ready to eat. And my heart was just filled with joy once again. I thought, God, you just proved yourself again and again to me. Joy, remember, is a choice. Paul tells us this again and again. Guys, if you've lost your joy, 
make a decision that you're going to get it back, okay? The problem is, is when we don't even realize we've lost it and, and we're just sad all the time and we have no joy, then we don't really know that what we're missing and we don't know how to ask God for it back. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul tells us in Philippians 4. Again, he, he repeats it. He's saying, you're not listening to me. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, that means don't be filled with anxiety, okay? Just bring it to the Lord. Cast all your cares on him. He cares for you, 1 Peter 5, 7. And then he says, the Lord is at hand. He said he hadn't gone anywhere. He's right by you. You think he's off and gone and away in the heavens and can't hear you. He's in you and beside you, okay? Be anxious for nothing, but with everything by prayer and supplication. You see, don't be filled with anxiety. Let God know about it. And look, with thanksgiving. He's telling us gratitude's connected to this joy. Let your request be made known to God. Say, God, this is my request. This is my situation. And what's going to follow? The peace of God. Who understands it? Nobody. It surpasses all understanding. And what is it going to do? Going to be like a big old guard guarding your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's part of the renewal of our minds. When he guards our minds like a big old mean soldier there with a big old spear. That's how I imagine it. And then Paul tells us another one. This is another mama verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. People go, Pastor, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. Doesn't it say it right here? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Do you all see that right there? So part of God's will for your life is that you start giving thanks for everything. It's the will of God in Christ Jesus. Both of these verses make it totally clear that joy is a choice. Joy is the earmark of the believer. Joy is a flag flown high from the castle of your heart when the king is in residence there. It's a little song we used to sing with kids. Y'all remember that, don't you, Parker? Didn't you sing that? I can't sing anymore, but uh, it's just this flag that flies. When the flag's not flying, something's a problem. Six, we can choose joy even when trials under we even when we're in trials and we understand that they have a purpose how do we know our trials have a purpose because james the brother of jesus tells us so he says count it all joy what does he say count it joy when you fall into various trials why what's the benefit he says it's going to test your faith it's going to produce patience in you it's going to have its perfect work and you will be perfect that means you'll be lined up with god's will for what you're to be and you will lack nothing you should say amen to that Seven, the word of God, we just got these two more, brings us joy. Remember we talked about eating God's word? I know you've eaten God's word. I've talked to you. When you learn how tasty God's word is and how much it'll fill up your hungry, thirsty soul, you just can't get enough of it. And no more is your Bible this weighty thing that you're carrying around like we studied in men's group today. But it's a delight and you open it up because you want to see what God has for you. These things, he says, I've spoken to you that your joy may be filled and that, I mean, that may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Then Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another 
as I have loved you. All of those things that Jesus spoke, all of the scripture that's been written is so that our joy might be filled. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. An abundant life, guys, is a joyful life. Amen. Eight, hope gives us joy. And remember, hope is the product. This was my first Advent sermon this year of what you stand on as your foundation. So important. That was the hypostasis. We learned that Greek word. That's the platform I'm standing on. Dr. House, you know, he knows Greek. It's this thing, what are you standing on is going to determine what you have hope in. If you're standing on your economic success or standing on your marital status or standing on anything but your faith in the Lord and knowing that he's sufficient, you are on slippery slope. You are standing on sand that's going to shift and move. You are not standing on that rock that we read about earlier. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. This is Peter talking to us. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. I've, I've been through some suffering this year. But, oh, I've been through some sweet trusting. If we have it right, then we trust while we're going through the suffering. And his joy is what fills us, not the sometimes getting better. So my parting shot to you today is that the world's happiness, guys, is going to fade. What the world tells you will bring you joy, will not. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the joy of the Lord is forever and ever and ever and ever. Ha olam. Ha olam. That is the Hebrew that means all the way to where the sun hits the horizon. That's the ha-olam. Isn't that beautiful? God's word is so beautiful. When we eat it, it fills us to overflowing. Let's pray. Scott Brown, would you please pray? My voice is about gone.